It's the Face of Chicago Business Podcast, introducing you to the stories behind the faces, focused on fixing today's problems with thoughtful leadership and purposeful living. Sit down with us as we get to know the individuals who make our city second to none. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Chicago Business Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Jennifer Hernandez. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. It is long overdue. For sure. <laughs> um, you, I mean, I have to say this for, for the people listening or watching. Jennifer is truly one of the most amazing women I've ever met, but beyond that, she's one of the most amazing human beings I've ever met. And I, I think it, like I said, long overdue to tell this story, but I'm just so excited that you're here and we can finally get to, to share about you. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm really, really excited too. And I'm so sorry that I put you off for so long, oh, no, <laughs> put no, no. myself off. So yeah. I'm here to share with you. It's always in due time, right? Yes. So originally from the Southwest suburbs, but your story kind of takes you everywhere around Chicagoland, right? It does for sure. <laughs> and, and we met at a time, I mean, a few years ago where things started to change for us from in our, in our personal and professional lives, but just in our lives, right? Yeah. But the story that, that got you to where you are, you're at today is something that I don't think most people would ever assume looking at you. That Fair is enough. true. Yeah. So tell us about what it was like to be Jennifer Hernandez or Jennifer Braglia, right? Yeah. Back in the day. Well, back in the day, I was definitely a handful. Um, I've apologized to my parents many times <laughs> for that. Uh, but what I didn't realize is that I felt uh, some a sense of abandonment. My mother moved out of, moved out of state um, with my sisters when I was in seventh grade. So okay. I was just really learning how to to be a young lady and do all of the things that um, handle all the things that a young happens to a young lady at that at teenage years. Well, sure. I mean that's pretty um, traumatic. I mean just having I mean, that's a big change in your life. And you said yeah. with with your sisters? Yeah. So me and my brother moved in with my father, and she that's moved right. out of state. Um, what I didn't realize then is that I kind of lost myself. A piece of me went with her. Sure, sure. Um, and I started spiraling, spiraling out of control, mm-hmm. uh, looking for love in all the wrong pr- places. Um, Sounds went, like belonging too, right? That's more than anything else yeah, that we talked about. And it was just a totally different life living with my mother versus my father. And although he was present, he he was physically present in nature and but he wasn't really there. Sure. Um, really didn't communicate with me a whole lot. Didn't know what was going on. I didn't. I was young. I didn't know, you know, what I was dealing with or what I was going through. But soon enough, um, I made it to about six out of. No, I'm sorry. That was in sixth grade. She left. So by the time I was in seventh, uh, my grades started dropping. Mm-hmm. Um, I started spiraling out of control. Ended up um, running away at 14. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I can't even imagine being a mother now. I can't even imagine what that would be like to not have your kids come home and wonder where mm-hmm. they're at. Um, and I did that to my father many, many times. <laughs> so I, I've, there's been a lot of apologies over the years. I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, sophomore year, I had straight Fs. Uh, my parents did try to save me from myself, uh, sent me to adolescent facilities trying to help me. Um, I, I did, you know, I was using drugs at the time. And these um, are like alternative high schools, right? Uh, no, uh, they actually put me in an inpa- inpatient facility oh, called wow. Heartgrove. Um, yeah, it's it's where you when you just don't know what to do with your out of control teen, you put yeah. them there. Some people have more uh, serious conditions. Mine was just I didn't care, um, and and the situations I was putting myself in it led me to the south side of Chicago, and I stand I started hanging out with gangs. So they they were really uh, concerned for my life. Uh, because I was yeah. at risk, and yeah. I was putting myself in situations that I'm lucky to be here um, from. Like, as you look back on it, is it just frightening to think about? 
Yeah, you would, <laughs> looking at me, you would have no idea right. uh, what I put myself through. But um, so yeah, so after after that straight Fs and off the, after the um, the hospitals in and out of the hospitals, I went to school at one of the hospitals for a little while. So I was counseled a lot as a teen. Um, they sent me to an alternative school to try to you know help me get through high school, which it did. Um, I graduated with my class, so that was one thing I did right, and and it had um, an opportunity where I could have a job and just go to school part time. So the one thing that I always had was a work ethic because I worked the entire time and oh, wow. was able to graduate with my class. And, and if I may ask, like, you know, a lot of parents say that I just can't get through to my kid or, you know, like that, that's that not caring. Did it ever did something happen that, that made you care during that time? Or was it just more just kind of appeasing people so that they get off your back kind of thing? Yeah, I just, I appeased them for a moment so that they would give me back my freedom. Sure. And then I, I it, I just progressively got worse. Oh, the wow. thing about it is people don't change until they're ready to change. Right, no one right. can make you change. And they were trying to make me change, and I wasn't ready to change. Do you feel like that pushed you towards that life even more? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but I'm grateful for all of it. Of course. Would, would I have gone back and done it the same way? Probably not. But... Um, you know, I, I'm really grateful for all of it. It's what made me who I am today and is going to help me make the impact that I'm going to make. So. Of course. So you make bad decisions, but then about 19 years old, something happens, right? Well, actually, um, so I graduated high school. Then right after high school, I ended up uh, kicked out. <laughs> so my mom didn't live here at the time. And um, I was, so I was bouncing around house to house, ended up homeless for a little while, and then ended up getting my own apartment and starting off in the car business as a switchboard operator. Mm. Um, that was, I was 17 at the time. And oh, then, wow. yeah, so I uh, just got my own apartment and started living my own life. And then, and where were you at at this point, like physically? I lived in Oak Park. Oh, so okay. Foley Rice Cadillac on Madison is where <laughs> I started my car business career as a switchboard operator. So, okay. And, and, that presented its own challenges too, right? It did. <laughs> <laughs> it did. Um, the car business itself, or yeah, I mean, well, moving that out. Well, both, I guess, both. But but from from our conversations and what I know about that particular business or industry or job that you yeah. had at the time, um, it wasn't easy, right? No, it's extremely it's extremely stressful, and obviously, everybody knows it's a male dominated industry. Yeah, being a young woman in the in the car business is, is a very very difficult time. Um, but it ended up to be my home for quite some time. So How long were you there for? Um, well, not that particular place. I think I was there for a year. We, our first apartment, not going to lie, it was three months and we got evicted. Wow. So then I was kind of in the same circle. I had and just you say put we? myself. You were me and my roommate. Okay. Yeah. So when I, when I did get kicked out, I ended up moving in with her and her foster mom. And she let us uh, stay in Oak Park with her for a while until we got our own. We got our first apartment right off of uh, Skullville. So, okay. Um, Right off of the 290, so it was yeah. it was exciting for a couple months until we got evicted. <laughs> um, but by 19, I ended up pregnant right. uh, with my first child, um, and obviously she, not planned, right? No, it was definitely not planned, but it was what I needed. Sure. Um, I feel like I was ending up towards I was going to be dead or in jail. Yeah. Um, that was the life that I was living, and she was my reason to change. Yeah. She was my reason to get out of the city. Uh, try to escape from the gangs that I was hanging with and, and really, you know, uh, find out who I was and yeah. what I wanted. And yeah. I actually started dreaming right then, which I didn't realize at the time. Like daydreaming or actually night dreaming? Like No, just, just dreaming, yeah. just wanting. Sure, yeah. I, I had an uncle who, um, you know, you, they always tell you, you know, to surround yourself or see the vision, see the life that you desire, right? Well, 
if people don't have, you know, someone to look up to or to see the life that they desire in, in their vicinity, how do they know? Yeah. Right. How do they know what to, to long for? Um, which is going to lead you, it's going to lead into, uh, what the impact is that I want to make in the world. So, but like, like, like I said, all the things that happened were all for the the greater good or, or the reason. So, um, getting back to the car business, I ended up back in the car business after I had my child when she was two. I went, I was waitressing for a while, and then I ended up back in the car business, and I was helping finance. And I realized, like, hey, these guys, I'm making 13 bucks an hour. These guys are making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. I could sure, do this. Yeah. Like, they're literally just selling the product. Let me yeah. sell. <laughs> and they're like, well, you probably have to... And my uncle, uh, it's, it's funny, he, he, was, he sold warranties for one of the largest warranty companies. I'm like, hey, you know... I think I could do this. He's like, yeah, you probably got to go to college. You got to sell cars. You got to do this. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do any of that. So, <laughs> so let's try another way. And he's like, yeah, that's probably what you're going to have to do. I'm like, okay. So next time I seen uncle Mike, he walked into the dealership and I was a finance manager because what I want, I go Good after and you. I get. So now prior to, to taking that step or that making that decision towards that, um, was that part of your personality still? Or, you know, did that developed as a result of seeing that and going, you know what? I can do it just as good as they can or better. No, it was, yeah, I just seen it and I yeah. knew what they were making yeah. and I knew how I was struggling and, and people don't realize, like I was making $13 an hour. I had a, a child at home and daycare is four, $400 a month. I mean, yeah. $400 a week or $300 a week. I don't remember what it was back yeah, then, but it it's, it's expensive. And then if you take that out of what you're barely making, you're not making it. So it's like the, you're working to take your kid to daycare. Yeah. And so the state cut me off of daycare when I started making $13 an hour and I'm like, oh my gosh. <sighs> I might as well quit my job right? because how am I going to make it? Yeah. You think about what I'm making. I mean, I, I was literally making nothing. So I actually um, told my boss, I'm like, look, I got a, I got a job offer. They're offering me 15. Was it true? Yeah. Oh, okay. It actually was true. Okay. <laughs> well, cause you just said it like, I, yeah, I did. Yeah, and she's yeah, like, yeah. I knew you, cause I told her, you know, like I had been working there already a year and or a year and a half. And she's like, I knew you were going to come to me for a raise. Of course you did. Yeah. I'm paying $400 for daycare. I can't yeah. afford to do that to yeah. come here to work for you for nothing. For sure. I'm like, so I need $15 an hour. She's like, and she acted like she was going to let me go, but I knew she wasn't. So she gave me the money and we stuck it out there for a little while. But then, um, you know, the thing is, is that the most difficult things we go through in life lead us to our greatest. Absolutely. So she fired me and it was the greatest <laughs> thing ever because I was like, oh, I'm going to be a finance manager. I'm like, put me on the sales floor. Let me show her who, she, who I really am, yeah, you yeah. know. And soon enough, I, I put myself through a finance manager class and ended up the general manager went and opened his own branch and brought me with. I sold oh, no aftermarket way. for a while. Yeah. And then he let me back up fe- uh, finance. So I was backing up all the heads, you know, the big uh, secondary finance managers. And this went on for like eight months and he kept running people in and out the, the door. And then, you know, they were supposed to be really good at what they do, but we would have customers come in and he, they would be like, Oh no, this person can't buy. I'm like, let me get on the computer. Here's your approval. Put the car out. And they're like, I'm like, so now I want the spot. Yeah. Like I'm ready. Like you've earned it. Um, yeah. I'm, you've already had four people run through this position. It's my time. Like, sure. And you were I just kind of filling the gap when there was nobody yeah, there. Yeah, I would back them up. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. whenever their days off were, oh, I see. like gotcha. they weren't really giving me the opportunity. I had to work really, really hard to get that opportunity. For so sure. um, like after the fourth person left, I'm like, can I please? Right. Are you really going to continue to not give me an opportunity when I keep showing them up? But so, that's where you saw that male dominance in the industry yeah, right that it wasn't it wasn't a good thing yeah it, it was it was a difficult time and I was a, I was a young mother and my daughter um 
my mother-in-law was living with me at the time. So um, thankfully, because I was working 60 plus hours a week, but every time I would come home and I would only have like two days off a week and I was working 12 hour shifts. So when I would come home, she would be acting out and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. I, I can't do this. Like, I, you know, the money's great. And this is, yes, it's a better life, but I need to have, I need to be a mom. Um, so I was going back and forth with it and I started interviewing and of course they weren't paying me what I should have been sure, making sure. at the time. So I started interviewing and then, uh, they found out I interviewed and fired me. Um, Get out of here. They did. Uh, and it was my biggest month ever in the car business and they fired me. Wow. So, but it was the I was so upset. I actually had no money to pay the rent, but it just so happened to be income income tax time. And um, I I was crying for days, but it led me to the greatest thing. Um, It put me in the mortgage business. I was like, oh, I'm doing finance for cars, but this is finance for houses. And and, and what sparked that interest? Did someone, you know? No, I was just looking at job applications (laughs) and I was like, oh, okay, well, I could do this. This is what I do, right? (laughs) So just doing it for houses instead of cars, right? Yeah. And and I became their top producer within like three months and it was, it gave me financial freedom and the life that I, I start, remember I said I started to dream when I lived in an apartment. I, I had an uncle who had a half a million dollar house. He used to take his family on vacations every year. I was like, that's going to be me. Mm -hmm. I want that for my family. I want a half a million dollar house. I want an in-ground pool. I want to take my family on vacations. And, uh, soon enough actually. So I got in the mortgage business in that first eight months in the business, I made over six figures. I uh, took four vacations with my family that year. I built a half a million dollar house with the in-ground pool. I felt like I was living on MTV Cribs. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you know, people, obviously they get into it for those reasons too, right? There's a lot of people in the mortgage business, a lot of people in real estate, Mm -hmm. but they don't find that kind of success. What is it that you felt made you different? You obviously saw something that you said, not only can I do that, but I can do it better or I can succeed in it. So there's there's something there that, that, you know, you're hitting on without even knowing, right? Well, <laughs> so it's funny because I used to, um, I, I actually ended up opening my own branch with the company um, like two years later. And I always used to wonder that, like, why am I better than everybody else in here? You yeah, know, yeah. like, why am I, my numbers are double or triple, triple theirs. Yeah. And for me, I was like, it was like second nature. I, I really, it wasn't hard. It was the, you answer the phone, the leads come in and you convert them. But I had a strategic way of thinking that helped more people get into homes Yeah. that other, like sometimes people can't see outside the box, but the, everything that I lived through in my life helped me think like that just to survive. Yeah. So I use those sur- survival techniques to help others, you know, get through. I mean, I've had tons of financial hardships throughout my life. So I've learned how to help people rebuild credit and what I know exactly what you need to do to do so because I've done it a hundred times in my life. So for sure. For sure. And then and you talked about too the, the experience and I know we'll get into that with what you're doing and, and, and your work with kids um, in underserved areas. Right. But that idea of wanting more, it, I mean, it obviously it propelled you. I mean, that's kind of what you were chasing, right? It wasn't like you were, I mean, on one end, you want to pay the bills and you know what it's like to, to not have money in the bank account and, mm-hmm. you know, be evicted. Like all those things that, that I think leave a lasting impression. But it just seems like every every conversation we have is always towards this goal, right? Right. Where did that, I mean, the dreaming part, all that, you know, how, how has that evolved for you? How has that continued to serve you in that way where your dreams just get bigger, right? How do you, how do you go back to that? Or, or, yeah, I mean, that's what's the strategy behind it. Yeah. 
Well, the funny thing is, so now I, I lead you to the next part. So, I, you know, I, I felt like I had made it for a minute, right? Yeah. But then we all know the mortgage industry crashed. For sure. I crashed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I also did was, because I'm not sure that I really even answered answered your question, but um, I started my own branch and I was like, oh, it should be easy for me to train people to do what I do, right? Yeah. No, that's when I realized I definitely had something special. And that's when I figured out that my strategic way of thinking helped more people get in home. So taking me out of the sales aspect and putting me into the management role, it actually did me a disservice because I was trying to help mold people to be like me, but I had an inner hunger that most don't have. For sure. So you really have to, I mean, if you want extraordinary things, you really have to have an extraordinary drive. Absolutely. And, <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it wasn't until um, the mortgage industry crashed. I, I gave birth to my twins. I have boy-girl twins. I gave birth to them in 2006. And right after that, the industry crashed. And yeah. that's when I opened my own branch. So... I, I was very upset, crying daily. I, I was like, how am I going to get out of this? You know? Um, and did you think about leaving the industry? Oh, I, I did. I took a year and a half off mm. because every company I went to kept shutting their doors. So mm. I was like, okay, <laughs> transferred you, my license to be shut down again. And I was only closing like three to four deals a month. For me, that was extremely part-time. I was 10, 15, 20 deals a month. Jeez. You know, for a lot of people, that's that's good. For me, it was not. Yeah, you know, yeah. that was super, super part-time. And then I was working for an office and they wanted me to sit in there. I'm like, you don't, yeah, I you don't, don't even, I'm a hundred percent commission. No, I can yeah. do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so during that year and a half, what'd you do? Um, I took some time off. Uh, I really didn't have a maternity leave when I gave birth to my twins. You're just back at work. Yeah. I, I mean, I was working when I went in to give birth and the minute I came out, there was no maternity leave. So uh, it was back in 2006 when everything was booming. So it really, I mean, there is no secret. You just, you work hard. I work very hard. Yeah. But I did take some time off. I, I spent time with my kids. I swam in my pool. I taught my kids how to swim. I, you know, I just <clears throat> hung out with my kids and I felt like I got to be a mom for a minute. And, and you have a great relationship with your kids. I do. Yeah. Uh, this it's why I work so hard, right? That's yeah. what we all, you know, we all want to do. But it seems like you're very intentional about that too. It's not just like, you know, I'm taking trips and I'm doing that. Like you, you have a purpose for everything you do with them, right? Yeah, kind of. I, I never really thought about it like that. Well, I mean, I know you well enough to know. Yeah, that that's you true. know me well enough. So, you know, um, I do. I, I really try. I what it is is I tried to take everything I went through as a child to make sure that I. I do my best for them, yeah. you know, and I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm a work in progress yeah. as everybody is, but, um, I, I try to get better and I try to help them so that they don't have to go through some of the things that, that I've gone through. So, and how do you balance that with like, and you say, and you, you made it very clear here that when you are faced with adversity, it propels you into your greatness, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes not having adversity can be an adversity in of itself, right? That you're not faced with that. And I recently heard that Dale Carnegie was quoted as saying that the best thing that can happen to a child is to be born into poverty. And, yeah. and yet, as parents, we want to protect our kids from that all the time, right? So how do you balance that where on some level you want the greatness for them, but without that, you know, challenge? You know, and it's so funny that you say that because I wish my... Uh, you know, I, I didn't want my kids to have to struggle, so right. I, I tried to do too much, right. and that was a disservice to them. Yep. I wish they would have known the struggle, and I wish they would have seen a different life, uh, a different life, so that they had more um, of an idea of, of what it truly is versus mm-hmm. what we we uh, paint the picture as. You know, yeah. Yep. Uh, I definitely painted a picture of not what real life is. Real life right. is hard. It's a struggle. It's a grind every day, and not only to you know, live, but to survive. And Absolutely. 
when you make everything look so easy to them, they think it's that way until they get on their own and they're like, what just happened? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is going on? And like their like world this, crumbles, right? Yeah. Well, and that's why I really try to, you know, more and more things I want to do is like some outreach stuff with my kids to actually go to different third world countries, you know, to to see what it's like and see what, it, you know, how people really have to live. You but know? you haven't even had to go that far, though, because I mean, and, and I, I guess a great segue into the fact that you're doing so much beyond just with your own kids. Right. You've always had a heart to help other kids. And I feel like you truly you know, on some level that you, you talk about not having, you know, these regrets of, of your life was your life, right? And mm-hmm. you're grateful for the experiences you had. But at the same time, you know, there's always that little inner child in us that we're trying to to heal, protect, whatever, right? And and I think, if I'm not mistaken, you see that a lot in, in the kids that you try to help, that you see that, you know, that you in, in, in them. But I think that's where that, that part of, you know, experiences, right? And dreaming come in where yeah. since you didn't have the dream, it seems like you're trying to give those kids do- that dream too. But at the same time, you're also bringing your kids into that conversation and showing them and exposing them to that, you know, this was me. Like you're almost showing them uh, subconsciously, right, who you were through the stories that you're sharing from other children, right? Yeah, and I don't, I don't think they fully get it, but they do. Uh, I have I have brought them and been around some of the things that I've, I've done and some of the kids that I've worked with, so they got they've gotten to see yeah. um, some different different ways of living. But it goes back to actually what I was going to say when I lost everything. Um, so the only thing that saved me when I lost everything and was crying every day and boohooing, why me? Like, mm-hmm. why is this all happening? I reflected on my life and started writing my book. Um, and when I reflected, I seen like, this was definitely not going to take me down. If nothing else had taken me down, how could I allow this to break me? Like, oh, I'm losing a material possession, a big old house that I wanted, right? I lost my income. Well, before I never had any income. So like, (laughs) boo-hoo what? You could do it again. Let's go. This is not going to be the end of you. And I was only, I was, I think it was under 30. I I would have to think back. (laughs) (laughs) But um, actually, yeah, it was 21 years ago. So I was 30. 32. Yeah. Yeah. 32 years old. So I was like, oh, I can do this again. Mm -hmm. Like, this isn't going to be, this isn't going to be the end. This is just the pause break. You need. It's all mindset, right? It's everything you're talking about is mindset. Yeah. And it was, you know, it, it forced me to spend time with my kids, which was much needed. You know, I didn't get to do that. So, so, you know, that was, it was, it was great. And then 2011, I want to say I jumped back in and, uh, in the mortgage, in the mortgage business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I jumped back in and I was like, it was just second nature for me. And I, you know, it's funny cause I, everybody always asked like, why did you like it? What do you like about your job? And I never understood why this career was so fulfilling for me, but it was because I want to help people and I'm helping people. Sure. I'm helping people achieve the dream of home ownership. Some, the, you know, that's the most expensive thing they'll ever purchase in their life. It's, yeah. you know, it's where they have their family parties and, and make their memories, raise their kids, raise I mean, their yeah. kids, build equity, you know, so, um, help them rebuild their credit or advise them, not really help them. I don't do credit per se, but let's face it. I mean, I've been through you some adversity, right, so right, I right. know I know how to advise. <laughs> so. Firsthand, right? First yeah, hand. firsthand for sure. But but the heart to give, where where did that begin, right? Because obviously you're, you know, you're journeying, you're having to worry about number one first and take care of your family and pay the bills, but then there comes a point where you know life has been good to you and, and you start to give back, right? Yeah. Tell us about that. So after I started rebuilding in the mortgage business, you know, I started doubling my business every year Mm -hmm. and I felt like something was missing. Right. Um, I started doing some work on myself. Um, 
and healing myself. And let's be honest, most mothers, they put themselves aside. Yeah. We come last. Yeah. And I hadn't taken care of myself in a long time. So I, I really started focusing on me and what was best for me and not everybody else for once. And when I did that, I started seeing like my bigger purpose and finding my vision. I also found some mentors that I started listening to. Um, and I had at that point, believe it or not, I was 35 years old and never read a book in my life. Yeah, I believe you. Cause that was the same way. <laughs> so exact same way. someone, a company that I ended up partnering with at a, a really, really bad time in my life after I lost everything, I, I, took my kids out of that half a million dollar house and moved into a two bedroom apartment with four kids. It was rough. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, we moved into the apartment and I, I found a company that I got referred to in, uh, Ryan Blair, who is my mentor now. He, um, he, he was part owner of that company and he was a number one best-selling author and wrote this book, nothing to lose everything to gain. And one, uh, the lady I was working with told me, you have to read this. His story is so much like yours. You have to read it. And I'm like, I don't read books, <laughs> never read a book in my life. So I'm not sure that I'm going to read it, but she's like, no, you really have to. I'm like, okay. So I bought the audio and I listened to it and I was like, wow, why didn't anybody ever tell me to read? <laughs> Right. Like it's everyone else's responsibility. right? I know. <laughs> I was the same way. Don't worry. I, well, I was a mom young and, you know, I was just lazy. I really had no desire to read. I had it no just, desire like, either. I, I cliff could notes. watch the movie or like whatever. Right. I did cliff notes. We bought the cliff note books. <laughs> right. right. I was I, I was the ch cheating way out of things. So uh, so I read that book and then I read a couple other books and then I started going to like seminars and hearing him and his leaders speak. And it inspired me to dream yeah. and to know and to find your purpose, find your why. Right. Like why did you go through all of these things? Like, what are you meant to do? Is there an impact that you're supposed to leave on the world? And for me, there was. Yeah. And I started seeing it that I had been taking in everyone's kids and helping every person that I knew, whether it's rebuild credit, get in jobs, um, you know, live with me, take care of them for a while, help them. You know, I, I was always helping people, but I was not helping myself right, sometimes, right, you right. know. So I was like, you know, I, I started thinking and I'm like, I really want to go back and talk to these kids like me, those kids like me. So they don't have to wait until they're 40 years old to start figuring out what is yeah, broken yeah. inside of them. You know, I can share it with you yeah. <laughs> because maybe I'm not my maybe my story isn't just like yours, but everybody's story connects to different people in different ways. And we, and what we don't realize is what's happening to us, you know, at absolutely, the time absolutely. and being so young, you don't think we don't care. Right. So for me to say, Hey, I was you at this school. You, you can hear me differently. Now, did you see that as part of your self development or self care or in order to get to that place where you could even do that, that you had to start taking care of yourself first? Yeah. You, I had to take care of myself first. And, and, and what did that look like for you, for the people listening, watching that, you know? What kind of work did know, I do? Yeah, like, you know, some, there's a lot of us, especially, and I know what that's like, and I'm sure you do, that you want something better for yourself, but you just don't know how to get it, right? Yeah. And, and, and you want to feel better, but you're like, I don't know how to. And where do you begin? So what did that look like for you? So... For me, really, uh, I started reading. That was that was it. it. Was reading and getting inspiration from the books, and then someone referred me to a life coach. Um, also, well, even back then. Yeah. Okay. And so, <laughs> let me explain to you the life that I was living back then. I was at and least. And this is again, you have four kids. I mean, really, that yeah, that, right. And I had got after I lost everything. I got divorced. I mm -hmm. uh, went through a very rough divorce and w was pretty much raising the kids on my own from that point. And right. I had uh, four-year-old twins and a seventh and eighth grader about to enter into high school. So mm -hmm. I was, um, 
It was a lot. (laughs) It was a lot. And I was working at the time seven days a week. Um, I was waitressing on the weekends and then building up my mortgage business because I'm 100% commission. So I needed cash. Um, But at the time, I was literally two to three thousand dollars negative in the bank every week. So I would get paid, pay my bills off, and then I would be negative again. I was literally living payday loan to payday loan just to keep the lights on. And I knew I could not... There was a breaking point for me. Uh, I had lost a really good friend, and right before that, I was crying all the time, like, why is this happening to me? Why? Why? What did I do to deserve this? You know, I really feel and, like... And you meant, like, everything, not just one thing. It was everything, Yeah, right? just everything, because I was like... Because it's very stressful to live like that, you yeah. know? And then you got teenagers that are giving you attitude. <laughs> I'm dealing with that on top of this, and I'm like, oh, I lost a really good friend, and it, and I, it broke me, and then... I, um, I literally was crying every day and I'm like, I I can't do this anymore. Like what I literally locked myself in the house and wouldn't answer the phone or do anything for anybody. And that day something broke in me and I'm like, no more. Like, I'm not crying about why me, this is not the end of me. I do not die here. I have bigger dreams. I'm going to write my book. I'm going to share my story with the world. I'm going to impact others. I'm not doing this. And, um, that's it. I didn't cry. Why me anymore? Um, I, this happened before I hired the coach. I actually started, I wouldn't allow myself any like negative negativity. Like, and I'm like, anybody who is negative around me cannot come near me. Cannot. For you. So uh, let me tell you, I cut off everyone. Yeah. Um, I, there was times when I didn't talk to my sister my mother, my father, because if you were doing things to hurt me, you couldn't be around me. I was yeah. broken and damaged, and I was trying to help myself. But I couldn't help myself when everybody else, kept, I felt like, kept inflicting pain, more pain on me. Sure. So if you weren't bringing me greatness, you had to stay away from me. Yeah. And I and those relationships have all come back. They've all come back. But if I didn't do that, I never would have been able to save myself. For sure. So I I cut off every toxic, every negative relationship. So it seems like that was kind of the first start for you then. That was was the very beginning. And then then $3,000 negative in the bank, someone introduced me to a coach, uh, Deserve Level level Training, Ed Mm -hmm. Bulky, uh, did wonders for me. Um, And he he just really helped me adjust and adjust my mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, Did little simple things like put a rubber band on your wrist and every negative thought you have that comes into your mind, snap it out. You know, I didn't realize how many negative thoughts run through my head daily. It was, it was an abundance of negative thoughts. And so I really just shut that down, started writing down what it is that I wanted in life, got a little whiteboard and drew together what I was going to create, um, bringing different nonprofits together to create an alternative to the street. That's what I believe, you know, is part of my mission. Sure. Um, and they all started aligning after that. Yeah. So there go there goes again when I seen something and all of a sudden this nonprofit called, this nonprofit called. Um, I would get leads from customers. That I wouldn't even know where they came from, but they were serving underprivileged youth. And I'm like, oh, you get, I'm, it's a sign, right? I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So here you go. Yeah. The thing is, is that world presents you a lot of signs. It's just whether you choose to listen to them or not. Yeah. If you don't allow yourself to see them or listen to them, you don't, you don't know. Yeah. Um, well, I started listening <laughs> and, um, and I doubled my business every year. I became a top producer at Lone Depot. Um, and then I opened our, we opened a branch and I'm doing very, very well. I just had my most successful year in the industry ever. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I started a nonprofit. 
Yeah, and tell us about that. And that's what I mean. This is where I feel like your work and everything that you believe in has come to to lead you, right? Is yeah. is is in this this work with these kids? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, um, and and it's not just because in that. I mean, we haven't really talked about it, but you also found your spirituality, right? I did. Yeah, uh, that's another thing. So a church popped up. So I, I was raised Catholic, yeah. um, but it never connected to me. Yeah, same. And I was when I was broken, um, my mom actually, someone introduced her to this church, Parkview Christian Church in Orland mm-hmm. Park. And it was like every time, every time I walked in the door, I was bawling, crying every single time. So um, I just I just went there and just felt uh, I just kept going and kept listening to the messages. And every time another child would come into my life, I would have to bring them there because the church would have a message for them to hear that week. So every time another random child popped up on my doorstep, I was like, oh my gosh, you're supposed to go to church this weekend. Come with me. (laughs) Bring them to the church. And for sure, there was a message for them that day. Um, and, And that was the thing that really pushed me over the edge into like, Okay, you're supposed to make an impact with children, and then yeah. everything started aligning. So, and, and in terms of how you bring that, uh, your your spirituality, your faith, like it's such a big part of who you are and what you do, mm-hmm. right? How does that play in your personal? I mean, most of us think of it like a, a personal thing, right? A personal relationship or a spirituality, but it really isn't. I mean, it's everywhere we go, it follows us, right? It does. How do, how do you incorporate that into your professional life? You know. I don't do it enough, really. Gotcha. I really don't do it enough, but I did start doing it daily when I wake up, um, just because. And we did, like, just recently, like I fall off. Like I do really well. I start going to church a lot, and then all of a sudden I don't. So um, we did just listen to a couple of church episodes because everything was online, right? Sure. So uh, we just got the family back together to where we were watching church again. Uh, so I fall off, you know. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, I'll be great for a while, and then I fall off. But I, I have been back. Um, I've actually been reaching out to the church, and I do need to start doing it on a regular basis. But I have started recently praying. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> um, so going back to your work with the kids, mm-hmm. what does a nonprofit look like now? And you know, tell us the mission of, of the nonprofit. Uh, so really my mission is just to to help align nonprofits to create an alternative to the streets. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that the streets provides children, acceptance, uh, ways to make money, mm-hmm. friends, love, you know, all different types of things, yep. different reasons, even some, you know, home, family. Um, believe it or not, like, I felt like that was a piece of me that was missing. And when I found the the friends that I hung out with and the gang that I was hanging out with, they were more, they accepted me for who I was. They didn't judge me. It wasn't like, oh, you did something wrong. So you're like the outcast. No, they accepted me for who I was. And that was all I needed was love and acceptance to feel like, you know, I was family. Like I was, I was, you belong. I belonged, you know? So, um, I feel like there's a lot of nonprofits out there and when they start really coming together is when we're going to be able to create that impact and then people will know about it and be able to plug into a community. And maybe they'll make a choice of plugging into that community versus the community on the streets. Yeah. So. And, and how does that relate to what you had been doing with uh, providing experiences for kids? Because that's one thing, <clears throat> you know, that I was so impressed by that, you know, you're like, kids can't dream if they don't know that there's something out there to dream about. And right. so, you know, your thing was, let's give them something to dream about. 
Yeah. So, um, so what it is is I started realizing that like sharing my story, right. Or writing my book or making my movie that's mm-hmm. going to impact others. And how do you really impact youth? You find other youth who have gone through the same thing to share their stories, to help be able to impact others. Yeah. Right. We can impact the abuse, the abusers, and, you know, hopefully, help them realize things before they're 40 years old. I mean, I was 40 years old still figuring out that I was doing things for the wrong reasons and still feeling out that that's the broken me that, you know, that, that needed healing. So if I can share, if we can record um, other youth stories who've been through hardship and share it in a community to share with other youth, we can impact them and build them up Absolutely. while they're so broken. Absolutely. And what's ho- happened with COVID, keeping children in the houses and the, in some of the abusive situations, it's just gotten worse and Absolutely. there's more of a need for it. So I took a couple youth that I had been a part of their life and I knew they had a story um, and I took them out to the Willis Towers and I recorded their story. Mm-hmm. Um, and believe it or not, they had never been there. They had never been to the Willis Towers. They never yeah. knew, you know. And they for never those who don't know, the Sears Tower. It's the Sears Tower to me too. Always yeah. will be. Always. <laughs> I feel so, even as you said it, because um, I was fortunate enough to be the one to record them. <laughs> <laughs> he was. But, uh, yeah, it's still weird for me to say Willis Tower. Yeah. Yeah. So we shared their stories and they got, and we took them on a life experience and then we took them out for sushi and, you know, just seeing outside the streets in which they live in, it, it's a lot. And it's it, sad though, right? That they were so close and yet so far away. Yeah. Like it's just, it, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's sad that you hear it so often. You know, I've never even been downtown or I've never done this. And it's like, you're five you know, miles away or whatever. Yeah. And, but just getting them outside of that, you know, when a lot of times people are living in their situations, they, they're struggling to make it from day to day. So they can't dream when they're just trying to figure out how to survive. Right. So taking them outside of those streets and providing them a life experience will hopefully help them dream quicker, faster, stronger, and know that there's this big life out there that they have an opportunity to see. And really their story is to be written by them. You know, nobody else is going to write their story, but them. And I don't care what, abuse trauma or anything you've put through you have a choice to become the victim or to break the cycle that you were born into and rise above it so i love it i love your energy thank you you. know um so what's next i mean you have a lot going on but you got the book Mm -hmm. you're writing right yep you're talking about um you're obviously the nonprofits in full you know bloom so what's like you know what's 2021 look like for you 2021, what I have set up, the goals that I have written out for this year, um, getting that book completed, um, r- hitting Scotsman's Guide on a whole nother level and tripling my production from last year. I also have a branch, so I also want to help my team triple sure. their business. Um, and the more we do, the more impact we're going to create uh, because I'll financially be able to create other impact in people's lives. So this year we were able to donate uh, to Ignite, uh, which is a teen homeless center on the south side of Chicago. Uh, we were able to donate some clothes, gift cards, different things like that for the youth. Um, we've done food drives, a uh, f- couple different ones. We've donated to children's basketball camp to help them get sponsorships to be able to co- be coached. 
um, and we are going to make a huge impact and we're going to share people's stories and we're going to get those kids outside the streets in which they live in and we're going to provide them life experiences and we're just going to keep doing more and more and more and it's going to evolve and people are going to notice and and what we what I really hope happens is that I hope you know people are watching and everyone just starts to do a little bit because if everybody could do a little bit and it doesn't have to be with youth it's whatever you're passionate about but if you align your passion with what you do for a living it's no longer a job Absolutely. it's the impact that you're going to make and the lives that you're going to change while doing so so see what i mean she's an incredible woman kind of a person uh, <laughs> i'm so thankful to call you a friend um if if people are watching or listening you know who who ideally would you want to reach out um to collaborate with um, if anybody has been sparked by anything that I said, please reach out to me. Um, I do, uh, for, for a living, I am a loan officer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do have a branch. If you're looking for some change, uh, we are hiring all different positions. And also, we are always looking for referral partners to help uh, with the mortgage business. But on the side of youth, if there is something that you have that's working that is in alignment with what I'm doing, if you want want to make an impact in people's lives. If there's something that's needed, reach out to us. We want to make such an impact this year. This is not about, for me, um, and this is this is one thing that I'll leave you with, you know, when you make things, when you don't make things about the money and you make it about the impact and the, and the impact that you're going to create and you also align it with your purpose in life and your passion, it is not work and it, and it will come. You do not have to worry about it. It will just come to you. Amen. I love that. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I got to be here. I can't wait to do more. (laughs)